And that lets you save the look here. True form life. Green look on Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of our True Form Life community. Today, we're bringing on Rosalind Fung to talk about body image. Now, Rosalind has a two-degree black belt in karate, which is a testament to her mindset and her ability to successfully achieve goals in health and wealth. She is a certified eating psychologist and Haikomi method. She's going to talk about this mindful approach to shifting limiting blocks, especially around body image. She's the go-to person to help you feel freedom with food, body love, confidence, and being your own best friend. Well, if that's not a fantastic bio, I don't know what is. This is a fantastic interview. Rosalind has so much valuable information to offer. I can't wait to share it with you. So sit back and enjoy. We got all that coming up on... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to Exploring Mind and Body. You heard all about Rosalind from in the introduction. In the introduction. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to the show, Rosalind. Hi, thanks so much, Drew. I'm really, really excited to be um, being interviewed by you. So it's our, yeah, we're going to have some fun. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. It took some some time and effort, but those are always the best ones. That <laughs> takes a little work to, to make it happen, but we're here and we're, we're bringing this content to our listeners. <laughs> Yay! So, Rosalind, tell us about yourself. We got a, a great topic coming up here, and I think there's so many people that, that want to hear about this. They need to hear about it. Why don't you tell us about yourself first so we, our audience can get a chance to know about you and, and how you got into what you're doing now? Yes, thank you, thank you so much. Um, so I am a self-love coach for women and for entrepreneurs. I am also a registered psychologist of 10 years. And I have my background is, um, I have a general practice as a psychologist and uh, marital and family therapy masters. Um, and as I um, was diving into my practice, um, I never ever actually thought that I would specialize in what I do now, which is, uh, food and body image, um, self-care boundaries, um, anything that has to do with confidence and self-love. Yeah, there were pieces about that, but I really dived deep into the food and body image realm. And that's because I had my own body love journey. Um, would you like me to share that right now, Drew, or Absolutely. a little bit later? No, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I grew up very athletic. Um, I played soccer competitively and in league. I also um, was in karate since the age of eight, and um, I was in it for. 17 years and taught for 10 years. So I made it up to second degree black belt. And um, that really taught me a lot of um, focus, confidence, 
hard work, discipline, and I really see that that's helped me form my character. It, so there were pieces, I was quite athletic, it wasn't um, really struggling with body image issues. There were like blips here and there when I was growing up, definitely that I can see contributed to um, the peak of my body image issues um, when I joined the gym at university at age of 18. And that's where I started to really notice uh, body image even more because um, you're really focused on your body at the gym. And I started to compare myself to the other women at the gym, started having more conversations with um, my girlfriends about our bodies and comparing ourselves. And of course, that's usually not um, positive. And at the time, it was uh, Britney Spears who had the really hot body. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, ooh, I'm going to go and get a Britney Spears body, Asian version, right? So <laughs> I went on my very first diet. And as awesome as it was, I learned I became more um, conscious about how food can make you look. And I'm going to underline look and not feel. Because at that point, all I cared about was having the hot body. And uh, and I started inspiring other people to get into the gym and work out. Um, I started transforming my body and getting more attention uh, from boys. So, you know, that's never a bad thing to me. <laughs> um, however, there was a really dark side to it. I started to binge eat and it was it it was to the point where I was noticing, you know, um, every time I had a cheat meal, I would just gorge. I would gorge on cookies, peanut butter, uh, chips, anything that diets wouldn't allow me to eat and to the point where I would feel sick. And of course, um, I was still only focused on the hot body. So I was doing this in secret, um, didn't care. Uh, of course, there's lots of mental, emotional stuff that comes with it, but just pushed that down, shoved it aside, kept perfecting my body, kept dieting, kept binging. And in 2008, I pushed myself to do a figure bodybuilding competition. And here I am in my then perfect body, yet I was such a prisoner in it. I was constantly anxious um, about what I looked like, um, when I could eat, what I could eat, how many calories, and if I ate something that was out of my diet, I would try to figure out all the ways because I was beating myself up and feeling guilty and how I could work it off. So I'm, over puni I'm punishing myself by over-exercising. And so when I was on the stage, I just realized, man, I can't continue this way. I'm such a prisoner. And luckily at the time, shortly after that, I um, was learning about a method called Haikomi, which is a mindfulness method based on neuroscience. And what it means is how do I stand in relationship with myself and how do I stand in relationship with others? And so as a therapist, you're, when you're learning a method, you cannot not work on your own stuff. So for me... Um, I really transformed. And so food and body image are, is never really just about food and body image. There's, they're just a doorway into deeper aspects of ourselves, our core beliefs. And some of these beliefs are limiting. Um, for me, it was not feeling good enough. I'm not good enough. And so as I was going through this journey, I began to embrace my, my value, 
um, my worth and I could see that uh, and de-link it from how I looked. And so I went through this journey, um, got certified in eating psychology and uh, created a niche called holistic nutritional psychology. And so this is where I really empower other people to love themselves and love their bodies, break free from the dieting culture. Rosalind, how did you go from the conventional, you were, would it be fair to say a conventional type of psychologist? Uh, yeah, that would be fair. Yeah, clinical. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did you go from that to more of a holistic approach of more whole more whole i mean holistic more whole yeah 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 absolutely absolutely you know i really have to credit it to my own um journey with getting certified in haikomi um haikomi really honors the mind the body and the spirit so we it's an experiential approach where um, how it looks like is when what well, your body cannot tell the difference between thinking about something stressful versus being there, and so at some point the content is dropped, and I just focus on bringing in mindfulness or sensations, tension, emotions arising, and as we're doing that, what we're doing is we're studying how the body participates because in the stressful situation because it just thinks it's happening. And for me, that was really powerful to notice, you know, wow, it's more than just talk. Our bodies hold so much information on a cellular level. And often these, this information is really unconscious and unknown until we study it through our body. And also at that time, I was trying to get pregnant and the Western philosophies, though I still very much believe in them, just weren't working for me. And somebody suggested going to see a naturopath, going to see, my friend was a reflexologist. I also started seeing acupuncture and and so more of the Eastern philosophies. And I was like, wow, there's really something here. It really opened me up to look at things from a more Eastern holistic practice. I also started getting to yoga and just learning to slow down. I was a perfectionist, if you couldn't tell already. So (laughs) this really helped me slow down, learn how to be a turtle instead of the hare. And it was such a gift. Like I just really see my journey as such a gift. And all the people that came into my life were such um, important parts of my journey. I I spent some time in that world as well. I actually trained some competitors some bikini competitors and Mm -hmm. it was you know it's such a a crazy world of of image i mean that's what we're talking about Mm -hmm. and some of them that i worked with easily months years later still struggle with body image because of that industry that they were so deeply involved in is there anything that you struggle with now or is there anything that you've learned getting past that that you teach your clients Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. I personally don't struggle with body image anymore. Um, It's not to say that, you know, I don't have moments where maybe I'm like, ooh, but that part of me doesn't drive the bus anymore. The part of me that is a perfectionist, the part of me that is very critical and judgmental and is very self-conscious. So actually, this is a really good 
opportunity for me to teach the inner committee. The inner committee is basically how I now see the world. It's I've been taught it through Haikomi. And if you're human, you have an inner committee. So we all have this place where we can feel really amazing. We feel like we are at the top of our game. We're logical. We're making all these amazing decisions. Life is in flow and abundance. And then there's parts of us that are, if you've ever heard of the inner child or wounded self, does that term sound familiar? Inner child's a big one. Yeah. I like that topic. Yeah. Yeah. I will explain how that gets formed. So we have many little eyes. So that's what the inner child is. Big eye is that big expansive place. So the little eyes, when we're born into the world as infants, we mostly live in our primitive brain, which is our survival brain, sits on the on the base of our head, and that's a fight, flight, or freeze response. And then we also live mostly in our emotional brain, which is our limbic system. That sits at the top, at the back of our head. These parts are unconscious. And these parts are where we mostly live from as infants, toddlers, and as we're growing up. The forebrain, which is the one we're using right now, the logical brain sits behind your forehead, that is still developing. This one's conscious. So we mostly live in the unconscious mind as young ones. And what we're doing is when we're born into the world, we're watching how people in our family interact between themselves and with us. And we're making meaning about different themes in the world. So things like love, safety, belonging, boundaries, power, money, sexuality, whatever themes there are. And we have no idea on a spectrum of healthy to unhealthy where our family sits. We just go, oh, this is the way the world works. And so this is really how core beliefs form. Now, nothing is ever direct. There's lots of multiple factors that contribute to creating these um, core beliefs. But let me just give a really simplified example. Let's say a child gets 98% on their exam and they go home and they're really excited and they share that with their parents and the parents are like, oh, but what happened to the other 2%, (laughs) right? So, oh, if this continues to be a theme, a pattern, then the child is going to start developing a message that, oh, I'm not good enough, right? And so what happens is when we form these beliefs, we then go into action to support these core beliefs. And so often what that might look like is overachieving, uh, becoming a perfectionist, uh, black and white thinking, all or nothing. Sometimes it can go the opposite where it's just like, well, then I'm just going to give up, right? I'm just, it's just self-defeating rebellion sort of behaviors, I tend to see the people who are more overachievers, perfectionists. It's like, I don't see the low eyes as bad parts. I don't look at things as good or bad, but it's recognizing that actually this was the brilliance of us when we were young. We designed a life jacket that helps us survive. But now, later on in life, that life jacket might not actually fit anymore. And so it's really honoring the low eyes, but not letting them drive the bus. So how shift this is I really love empowering people to learn to explore and discover their big eye space, that expansive, authentic self. And so when we explore that and land in there and live um, from there, 
and show up more from the big eye place, then we are able to observe the little eyes. And this is where the third eye or the um, observer hat really comes in. So we get triggered. That's a little eye. All events are neutral until we put meaning to it. And how we do that is based on our belief system. So our little eyes. By the way, belief system is... BS, right? <laughs> so sometimes we really have to be skeptical about our own BS. And so what happens is when we get triggered, oftentimes we dive into that little eye space, we see the world from that place, we're wearing the goggles and we go into automatic beliefs, um, attitudes and behaviors. So instead of doing that, what's not different is the trigger. But what we do is we invite the big eye, we start to have the third eye, and we're watching the little eye. It's like, oh, okay. This doesn't make you feel better, but it puts that pause button on so you don't immediately dive into the little eye. And so from this place, probably heard of the phrase, what you resist persists. Mm-hmm. And so lots of times people tend to say, I hate this part of myself. I hate that I do this. And they fight it more and more and more. But what I actually invite people to do is just hold space for this little eye. It's our inner child. Treat it like it was your own child or a loved one. An easy way to think about this is if your child is having a temper tantrum and you like try to push a child away, they're just going to become even more um, upset right? But if you hold the child, you love the child, you bring in compassion, you are listening to a child, that's, ex- that's, they're going to help, that's going to help them regulate emotionally. You're co-regulating with them. And that's exactly what you do to yourself. It's bringing in self-compassion, self-love, and just holding space for this hurt part of you. Okay, so let's, let me use an example for our listeners. Yeah. So let's say if someone says, I don't like, we could pick anything. I don't like my legs, for example. Yes. Personally, I feel like that comes from way back, probably our childhood, and someone made fun of our legs for whatever reason. Exactly. (laughs) What can we do? How can we address this issue of someone that is an adult in their whole life? And let's say, for example, they're like, I've never liked my legs. I hate them. They're too big. They're too small. What could they do about that? Well, the first step is to learn to accept. And I know that's a really, really tough concept. But accepting means being able to really see the situation as how it is. Okay, let's just, let's just, and accepting also means neutralizing the emotions. I just, um, this is the way my legs look. I don't have to like it right now but this is the way my legs look. And if we kind of quiet down the noise around all the, I hate my legs, all that resistance to your legs, and just really look at your legs the way they are shaped, there's like a sense of surrendering that happens. A lot of times people think accept means I give up, um, I'm gonna lose control, but it means the opposite. It means I really am looking at what it is right now And from this place, now we can do some deeper work. We can make some changes. And so gratitude is another another step from acceptance. It's like holding gratitude for your legs. Okay, so you don't like the way your legs look, but what can your legs do for you, right? They get you from A to B, and it's really starting to shift emotionally and mentally into the function of your legs, yeah, that's something I was going to bring up as well. I thought I think that if you could show some type of appreciation, 
in mm-hmm. some way. I was going to say maybe you could appreciate how they look in some way. Maybe that is too much of a stretch for some people, but the functionality is a great way to yeah. look at it. Yes. And it's just, you know, even every day, I love to be practical. So every day, think about how grateful you are to get to have the ability to get out of bed. It's just something we take for granted until we break our leg. <laughs> and when right. we break our leg, now I've never had a broken leg, knock on wood, but I've, I know it can't be easy, right? Even just an ankle sprain. I've done lots of those from soccer, right? It just makes your day not flow as easily because you got to hop around, you got to wear this bandaid, you got to take it off, you got to wrap it again, and it takes time. So we take things for granted when things are working. Mm-hmm. So it's just coming back to the basics of gratitude. Uh, so accept acceptance is a big one, regardless of what it, what it is. Showing showing appreciation. Yeah. What about mm-hmm. the emotion? I feel like I feel like words are something that that has a lot to do with how we see, think, and feel. Mm-hmm. Like the words that we use. Like a lot of times we'll say something like, "You can like you can feel the vibration when someone says words like I hate my legs.' You know? Like, oh yeah. It has such a yeah. powerful effect. So maybe changing your words to I dislike them and yeah to, a little bit less hate I don't yes. mind them and I don't it. mind them yes yes and yeah it's like moving because yes you're right that's great Drew that you pointed that out it's not realistic for someone to go oh I really hate my legs too oh yeah I love my legs like that's not even possible but usually what happens is I hate my legs yeah they're all right you know and like it might actually no actually between there there's like quietness like the the inner critic isn't so loud as you learn how to truly appreciate and accept your body and I wanted to touch on something that you just shared which is when you yeah like the words we use really affects how we go into the world. So hate is a really strong word and that definitely vibrates then in in your body on a cellular, on an emotional, on a spiritual level. And so does gratitude. So gratitude will vibrate differently. There's something called the map of consciousness by David Hawkins and it's uh, an amazing concept that I love to show people. So what it is, it's a spectrum of vibrations and that the lowest is shame. And we can divide the chart into two sections, low vibrations and high vibrations. At the top is enlightenment. So that's like monks. Where the middle is, top of the lowest vibrations is pride. And then the bottom of the highest vibration, so to step into the high vibration, it takes courage. If you think about it, we're in our comfort zone and things really aren't working, but it's our comfort zone. The only way to grow is to step out of that comfort zone and it takes courage to do that. And so that's exactly what this work invites is to allow yourself to take the courage to be vulnerable, to be open, to look at a different way to think and the possibilities that can happen from doing that. So ideally, we want to vibrate at the higher end of uh, the high vibrations, which is love, peace, and joy. And this is really where manifesting happens. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that. So shame, for example, if that's at the bottom of the list, yes. I'd yeah. imagine whatever that we have body issues around, 
we were shamed in some way down there. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. we hang on to that emotion. We carry it through. You, well, we can tell how powerful that emotion is because we carry it through most of our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, guilt is down there as well. Right. So if we can learn to love and appreciate and, and find that acceptance as difficult as it is at times, then we, mm-hmm. can, we can learn to let go and, and move on and not hang on to that. those body image issues that are holding us back. Rosalind, tell me more about what you have going on, what you're working on, maybe where we could find out more information about yourself and what you do. Thank you, Drew. Yes, so I am founder of Holistic Body Love Coaching. You can find me on my website, holisticbodylove.com. That's holistic with an H. And you can find me on Facebook, Holistic Body Love Coaching and Psychology. Twitter, it's at Rosalind Fung. And I love Instagram as well, at Holistic Body Love. I'm really excited. I'm actually running a self-love course, and it is called Happy, Healthy, and Whole in Mind, Body, and Soul. So this is, if this resonated with you, this is really the stuff I teach. Um, Cultivate a loving relationship with food, body image, self-care, having healthy boundaries, time management, and I really love looking at relationship with money. Lots of us also have money shame. And there's actually a lot of parallels between relationship with food and relationship with money. And so I dive into that. I also have a lot of freebies on my website um, in terms of giving lots of hot tips on how to start moving away from shame and starting to lean into acceptance and gratitude. That course that you're talking about is yes. That's on your website, I imagine? That's on my website as well under programs. Okay, fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right, Mm Rosalind, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us. I think this is such an important topic. And I I really feel like we all have some type of issues that we could work on regarding body image. So great information. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you so much for having me, Drew. I had a lot of fun. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sticking around till the end. Thank you for being a part of our True Form Life community through your downloads, shares, comments, reviews, everything that you're doing to contribute to the show. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. I feel like we're, we're growing and we're reaching a larger audience as we continue to move forward. And again, we wouldn't be able to continue to bring you the, that content and these new guests and information without your support. So thank you again. Thanks to Rosalind for her information. Super inter- interesting topic for me, especially how the mind works. I really feel that a lot of these type of issues come from years ago. Usually when we're, I'm not one of those people that are blamed parents or example or blame that playground bully but I really think that at one point there was something that was was really an issue it was really the root of the issue and we continue to carry that on through the rest of our lives we're grown adults and we hold on to something that may have just happened one time and then we continue to let them negatively affect these thoughts that we turn into memories and we just continue to play them over and over again in a past interview I did with Vishen Lakiani that was a fantastic interview absolutely loved his book he had called these rules and they, they were a BS type of rules that we tell ourselves that we live by that really aren't true so if it's legs for example I, I really believe that at one point someone said something about our legs and then we just continue to repeat 
caved in our head and it got worse and worse. And now we, we really dislike them. We hate them. And like I said earlier in the show, that's really, those words really mean a lot. They have a different vibration. And by just changing your words, they can help change your thoughts as well. So that's something to consider as well. Once again, thanks to Rosalind for coming on to sharing and sharing such valuable information about body image. I really feel like this is something that we can all work on. And it's really just small steps. It's those sustainable steps that I'm always talking about. And that's why earlier in the show I said maybe we could work on one thing. Maybe we can change our mindset and say, I really dislike this about myself instead of I hate it about myself. And then say, well, I don't mind this about myself. And I personally, honestly, I do this all the time. If something there's something I really dislike, I'm like, well, maybe it's not so bad. And then I, then I think, well, maybe I actually like it. It's kind of funny. Dorothy and I do this when we're running up a hill. We like to run often throughout the week, especially when the weather's nice and hills are difficult. So we'll be running and just kind of messing around and say, oh, I love these hills. They're so refreshing. I get better at these hills all the time. And of course, we're, we're just joking and messing around, but it actually helps. It really does. And I feel like I run better uphill now than I did before. So that's just something that small that I do and that you can do as well in other areas of life, whether it's paperwork, they could really dislike paperwork, or I really dislike math. And we can change that too. It's not so bad, or I actually kind of like it. And it really has a lot to do with when we look at the mirror every single day and we appreciate what we have or we don't appreciate what we have or what we're looking at, I suppose, more so than what we have. But I'm going to leave you with that. Once again, I want to thank you for being here. I just want to mention you can head over to trueformlife.com. We have a kombucha workshop. It's a free workshop and it's a two-part video just to give you more details as to how to make your own kombucha. I think it's so important to start implementing fermented food. So again, that's trueformlife.com slash how to make kombucha. All these past shows are going up on exploringmindandbody.com. And don't forget about our free app. You can download it to any Apple device so you never miss a show. Or for some cool free stuff, head over to trueformlife.com slash EMB app. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Taddy, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.